All too often, we hear the words diversity and inclusion brought up as pillars to help corporate America improve workplace culture. But for as much as we hear the words uttered, signs of actual progress is scant among some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, in part because they're using a tactic to help them shield the information. This is TikTok. I'm Jennifer Zabasaja, in for David Myers. And joining me on the podcast from New York is Bloomberg News retail reporter Jordan Holman. Jordan used to cover race, class, and gender for Bloomberg. Jordan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's let's talk first about the ways in which Silicon Valley has confronted their lack of diversity. Right. So in the past few years, we've seen a lot of a lot of large Silicon Valley firms such as Google, Apple, release diversity reports. So in these reports, they show the percentage of women or people of color that they have in their firm. And they and people have started to expect those reports. We see low numbers of both Hispanic and black workers. Uh, female workers is ticking up, but it's still not representative of the U.S. workforce. And so uh, you mentioned a few of the data points. How, how diverse are we seeing this workforce at this point? So we're seeing around black workers is about 4%. It hovers between like 2.5, 4%. Hispanic workers in Silicon Valley writ large is still below 7%. Um, for women, you have about a third of um, the workforce be women. So that's still not equal because women make up half of the workforce in the U.S. So that's why Silicon Valley, uh, people really look towards how are they doing in terms of diversity because they're among our most valuable companies. Right. And you, you just mentioned people are looking to them for this information. Um, and your report today is, is talking about the strategy that they're using to omit some of this information. So walk us through what it is that you found. Right. So since about 2011, so almost a decade, a few companies, when they've been asked, um, what are your diversity numbers? How many women or people of color do you have in your workforce? They will respond to some media outlets saying, we can't release that. That's a trade secret. And a trade secret is considered um, information that a company has. If it's disclosed at all, it will cause them economic harm. So now we're seeing tech firms say, our diversity numbers and our diversity strategies, that's a trade secret. How long is, have they been doing this? So back in 2011, CNN asked about 20 companies, uh, tech companies, saying, will you give us your diversity numbers. Um, Only three complied at the time, so that means 17 uh, of them did not. But then about half a dozen of them used this trade secret argument, saying we cannot release that because that would be economic harm to us. And what were the three, who were the three companies that did end up reporting? Um, and, And what were the numbers that were shown? So among the ones that did report, it was Dell, Intel and Ingram Micro, um, similar to the other stats of the of Silicon Valley, it's low representation of Black workers, Latino workers, and women. But what's interesting, for example, like Intel, after they were asked to release the diversity numbers a few years later, they said we have a goal of reaching full representation in our workforce. And so, because you know they put those numbers out there, they were now held accountable saying, we are going to hit some metrics. And just last October, they said that they have reached their full representation. And so, you know, just getting back to the trade secret strategy, um, I'm sure there's there's a certain threshold that needs to be proven in order for 
this information to be classified as a trade secret. So what is it that they need to prove? Right, yeah, I actually spoke to some like patent lawyers on this specific topic, and they said that the burden of proof is on the company to show that economic harm. It all comes down to showing you will, your business will be hurt financially if it's released. So for example, a classic trade secret is like the uh, the sauce that McDonald's puts on its Big Mac. They are not going to release that because then other competitors could then start offering that good sauce that everyone likes or Google's algorithm. So those are kind of the classic examples. Um, it seems very clear cut that yes, that's proprietary information, it's a trade secret. But the gray area here with diversity is that it's not clear how this is so valuable, especially because the numbers are already so low. So what are you actually doing um, that's gonna, like, that your competitors wanna emulate? Right, and you would think at the end of the day they would want this information to be public if they are really confronting the problem, right? Right, but then you hear an argument from like Palantir, they said that if we provide the exact numbers of people of color or women in our executive ranks or in certain areas of our business, then we are providing a roadmap to competitors to see like, oh, we're raising our, we're raising the stakes in this area. They're gonna look at our engineering and try to poach people. So that's kind of the argument they're making, but then also it's a relatively new argument. So we're not seeing, it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of precedent it sets. And do the laws that are in place right now, do, does it make it easier for these companies to argue for uh, trade secret protection? So that's still trying to be uh, determined. Back in 2016, President Obama, he signed a law making trade secrets like a, you could just sue on a federal level. So that kind of helped bolster the argument for companies because before they would have to sue in certain states, now they can do it federal. Um, and since 2016, there's been a 30% jump in these type of lawsuits. So that gives some indication that companies are becoming more familiar with this law and then they might apply it to diversity. You actually spoke to a woman who is, is looking at this problem directly. Uh, I'm curious what stood out to you about what she she sort of found in her reporting on, on this issue. Right, so Jamila Bowman-Williams, she's a professor at Georgetown Law. She was the one who kind of aggregated all of the all of this data and tracked this trend about tech companies using this diversity as a trade secret argument. And one of the interesting things that stood out to me um, of what she said is that, like, where what does this get us to? Because then we're starting to quantify our diverse workers and say that they're so valuable that we can't tell anyone about them. Um, and so then that, that just becomes a, a tricky area about how you're thinking about your workforce. Um, and I think it'll just be interesting to see if more companies pick up on this argument and how the courts react. Uh, for example, like the Labor Department, um, when they were foiled for Palantir, they eventually said, you have to release your numbers. So we start seeing some clarity. Um, and then another thing that Jamila mentioned is just that accountability factor. If we don't see those numbers, how will we know that all the millions of dollars that these tech companies are investing in diversity is actually working? And you you report on, on these figures often within various industries. Um, is, is this particularly unusual, this practice that is going on within the tech industry um, from what we're seeing in other industries? 
Oh, totally. A professor at UC Davis, he was like, this is a very novel argument that the tech companies are making. The idea of a trade secret in corporate America is not an unusual one. Uh, it's used all the time, especially in like computing and software. But it's becoming novel that they're saying diversity, this thing that we've always struggled with, that people, we get criticized for. Mm -hmm. Now we don't want to talk about it. We can't because it's a trade secret. That's a novel one. Um, and, and they like to throw the word around. Oh yeah, diversity and inclusion, yeah. you hear it every day. Yeah. Um, so then it's really, this is about backing up the talk. Do you see this changing anytime soon? Do you see these companies eventually being forced to share this information? And will it take that um, happening in order for us to actually see what is happening? You know, I asked Jamila, the professor at Georgetown, this exact same question, and she, she was like, well, I would hope so. And that's how I feel. Like, I would hope the conversation doesn't isn't a tense one mm -hmm. down the line, that it just becomes standard in other ways that companies have to report numbers and how they're doing in certain areas, that they do that with diversity. Um, most companies in the US have a chief diversity officer, so you have an executive looking at this branch of the business. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will evolve to one day, this just becomes the norm, where you're saying, this is where we stand, and please hold us accountable as we're holding ourselves. Have you heard from any employees within these companies, um, black or minority employees, who have spoken out about this? Yeah, I think there's definitely an understanding among um, employees that these tech companies that they're few and far in between. Like when you think about black workers, uh, a colleague here, Nico Grant, he's reported on this issue about the low numbers of black uh, workers in the tech field and saying that it's lonely and saying that um, they want to see more and that means it starts with studying STEM and all of those things. So I think a story like this, it just adds to that narrative and just kind of shows the lengths that companies will go um, to keep this under wraps. Well, hopefully it doesn't stop here. Correct, so yes. Jordan Holman, thanks as always for being here. Thanks for having me, always. And be sure to follow Jordan and her reporting all the time on Twitter at Jordan Journals. And I'm Jennifer Zabasaja. You can follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Lauren Z and get all your latest updates 24-7 at TikTok.